ignoring that hunter woman. He clenched his fist as he glared at Jubilee. That hunter woman, name of God, but a, her mother would be turning in her grave if she knew that her daughter was called by such a name, like some white trash sharecropper, or possessed of such a reputation for unseemly behavior. And no one has ventured so far as to call her behavior unsavory, at least not to my hearing, but they are thinking it. I know as surely as I know Matty Joe Corley Hunter, my only child deserves her reputation. Jubilee glared at the colonel with disapproval. Well, you not ought to listen to such talk about Miss Matty. These folks in Clarendon, they don't know her. Well, now they talk about her in Mobiti and Tuscosa, too, Jubilee, but in my estimation, the number of citizens in either town who are without sin do not amount to enough people to organize a good stoning. Well, now you ain't hardly without sin yourself, Colonel. I'm a man. I'm supposed to have sown some wild oats in my time. Well, now you done planted enough for a bumper harvest. I never committed adultery, Jubilee, and I have kept my fornication within the gentlemanly limits. Jubilee shook his head, his lower lip pushed out. Now that ain't no excuse to be sitting in judgments on Miss Maddie. The colonel pulled on his gloves and stepped off the porch. She is my daughter, and I must see to her moral character, and I have. I have seen to it that Jessie McDade will not share her bed nor her table again, and if he does... If he does, I'll see this damnable ranch that she loves so much, sown with salt and sold to the first British syndicate that wants it. Jubilee straightened, the expression in his eyes foreboding. No, Miss Maddie, she hates them British syndicates, Colonel. She don't think they treat their cowboys nor their nester ranchers fair. I know that, and you know that, but what's more important is that Jesse McDade knows that. The colonel hesitated. I do give the man credit for being too fond of my daughter to go back on his word not to see her. Jubilee followed him to the hitching post, where his horse waited. Well, I backed you up, colonel. When you twisted Jesse's arm into making that promise, cause he needed to leave her be, wasn't nothing else for him to do, but I hopes we ain't gonna be sorry for what we done. We did what we had to do, said the colonel. Yeah, but so did Miss Maddie, Colonel. Ignoring him, the Colonel gathered his reins, but stood by his horse's side without mounting, studying the daughter, who, until the past June, he had not seen for five years. Her hair was the same gold, her eyes the same pale, pale color that looked more yellow than brown. But she was different. The soft, childish contours of her face had vanished, leaving the chiseled features of a woman. Her cheekbones were more prominent, her jaw more firm, her eyes more dominant and filled with shadowy secrets that she did not share. No woman should look a man in the face with such directness, such assurance, such lack of modesty, such indifference, particularly if that man was her father. It was unseemly and improper. She was twenty-two years old, and the strength to be so indifferent was unnatural in one so young, particularly in a woman. Unless, he closed his eyes and he caught his saddle horn, hanging on until he controlled his grief and his fear. He knew now why Mattie refused to go to Clarendon. It was not because she was ashamed of her behavior, but because she was unrepentant. Mattie? 
Her father's voice was an intrusion on her thoughts. She resented his choosing to leave it barely past dawn. This was her private time, when she looked to the west, toward Jesse's place, and thought of him. She imagined him standing in the bedroom, meticulously shaving, dipping his straight razor into the steaming water, and then raising his chin to shave his throat. He would be bare-chested, the weather not being cool enough yet for a union suit, and drops of soapy water would catch on the curly body hair that had always intrigued her. Her thoughts followed him into the kitchen, where a grizzled, bow-legged old man named Charlie fed him breakfast before Jesse walked out into the cool dawn. Drawing on his riding gloves and running through a checklist of jobs to be done by himself and his twenty men, he looked the same as he always had, except harder, the grin that revealed a dimple on one cheek seen less often. His eyes